just gonna jump right into this welcome um, everybody to uh the mega powers present the powers that be a members only podcast so you've you've really kind of um word saladed it, it up here I yeah think. a little bit um, I, I i kind of envision this as being fully titled um the powers that be colon members only and then in parentheses, a podcast by the Mega Powers. That's kind of where I was going. All right. With this one. Yeah, I can. Okay. The, yeah. the the elements are there. The elements yeah. The are el- there. We, all the el- speaking of the elements are there. All the elements for a good good movie. Just right. What do you think? You you might say so. Um. So uh, for those who couldn't tell by the title, which is um, you know, we have the three elements. Uh. The powers that be, mm-hmm. members only, mm-hmm. and then uh, the mega powers, which is us, yeah. uh, Andy and Ryan. Yeah. I being Ryan, you being Andy. Yes, I'm Andy. Hello. Yes, uh, this is our very special presentation of the film Austin Powers Gold Member, yeah. which we have just finished listening to, not even two minutes before we uh, hit the record button on this podcast. Yeah, we decided to uh, see, you know, Austin Powers in Austin, Texas. Yes. Uh, you know, it's a little fun. It's a little wordplay. <laughs> and uh, Ryan's never seen it. Never seen any of the... Never, uh, give me your... What's your history with our old pal, Mr. Powers? None. Absolutely none. Okay. I have seen... Um, I believe I've seen clips here and there of the original Austin Powers film, or perhaps mm. maybe the second one. I honestly couldn't tell you. But I have never watched an Austin Powers cinematic experience in its entirety until tonight here. And we should n- note that we're recording this immediately after finishing oh, the movie. Yeah, like not like I said, not even two minutes after we stopped the movie. We started recording yeah, this. Yeah, you wanted to get the uh, demons exercised yeah. from you as soon as you could. I'm on. I'm on a fucking live wire about Austin Powers, and we got to get this out of our system. So I guess what I'd like to say um, before we really get into anything uh-huh. is I didn't realize how uh, how long it's been and how things might have aged a little. So. <laughs> Austin Powers Goldmember, I believe, was released in what, 2002? 2002, yep. And I think if, uh, like, if we had waited five more years to do this podcast, every cultural reference this movie makes would be forgotten by time, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is both just dated very poorly as uh-huh. things just sort of progress in time and in our world so i'm gonna make a note (laughs) really quick here yeah Uh, i believe this goes without saying but if you have not seen the film austin powers gold member i uh, i highly recommend you stop this podcast and watch it and then return to hear yeah this is a spoiler zone yeah so you know so if you guys if you guys don't want to you know i mean it is it's a classic so you should have seen it but if uh not you know you can fix it Anyway, now now that you've kind of uh, all watched the movie, I can only assume that by the year 2025, um, pretty much every piece of uh, pop culture detritus that this movie lobs at you will be almost totally washed away from the um, face of existence. Yeah, yeah, I It'll, mean... Okay, let's let's see, we've got, what are the references, like Tom Cruise is kind of the first sure. cameo... Uh, Kevin Spacey's in there. That's aged, de- definitely aged poorly. Poor aged poorly. Danny DeVito has a great cameo. Uh huh. We loved that. That was that was a um, good bit. That was a good bit. Pretty much just because he had a gun and gave the finger. Yeah. But like that's all you need. Um, Britney Spears. Yeah, Britney Spears uh, plays um a role in this movie. Uh, she uh is a fembot at the beginning. I okay. Believe. Uh, uh, now let me ask: Is 
a fembot something from the Austin Powers canon, which yes. I'm not familiar yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, it is. They have they have machine guns that come out of their boobies. I, and, I did catch yeah. that. I yeah. did catch that. That um, was a big part of the Britney Spears cameo. Another reference that I think has aged really poorly is um. A lot of xenophobia. I think that's sort of, you well, know, as the time has gone on. I think you're being very generous by saying that xenophobia counts as a reference and I don't, not, like, uh, yeah. a poisonous method of thinking. I mean, you know, you can refer to poisonous methods of thinking. I will say... I'm just saying it hasn't aged well either. I will say one of the reasons you know this movie was made in the early 2000s is when, um... Austin Powers is showing uh, Foxy Cleopatra the internet for the first time. He shows her a clip from America's Funniest Home Videos of like a monkey doing some shit, and like that's very uh, that's a very optimistic view of the internet that I feel like we don't necessarily uh, carry with us into the year 2018. Yeah, if this was 2018, he'd be showing her like Dobby Pussy Indulgence or something on he, YouTube. That's he, just awful. He'd be talking. He's like, it's really great because he's like, oh, the internet is this great way to you know share vital information. And instead of getting on Twitter and being yelled at by Nazis, he just finds, like, a funny video of a monkey. Well, to be fair, with the way that anybody who's not uh, American is portrayed in this movie, uh-huh. I have a feeling he, that Austin Powers might not mind those guys on his Twitter timeline oh, a little okay. bit. okay, okay. So, um, I think that's interesting that you kind of posit this uh, multifaceted experience of the film, um... Are we just gonna are we just gonna free ball on this? Or yeah. Are we gonna go? Um... No, we're not. We're not going beat by beat. Okay. I can't do beat by beat on this because beat by beat on this would just be like like half of this movie's a music video. Yes. Like they have these really bad parody songs that like we couldn't even recognize one of them because it's just been so long. Yeah. I think so. It's 2018 right now. Um, at the time of recording, obviously, I want to make this clear for future generations who yeah. will come back and listen. This is going to be in the Smithsonian yeah. someday. That's that's 16 years since Austin Powers' mm-hmm. Gold Member came out, which means that if they were to um, if they were to make a similar film and the year 2000. That would be referencing stuff that happened in like nineteen eighty what like nineteen eighty six basically. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Because it's sixteen years, and this is me not being able to do math. Um, and to get to uh, two thousand, yeah, yeah, that'd be like nineteen eighty four. Yeah. So we are at the point where like watching a movie and like watching fucking Breakfast Club in two thousand two would have been like essentially. So, like, so what you're saying is uh, if we made Austin Power today, it would be a lot about, like, uh, thought crimes and stuff, because we'd be referencing 1984? Uh, that's a very circuitous route of logic to reach on that. I'm just, I'm not, into, I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure uh, we are on the know, same page. We're on the same page here. Yeah, I did want to mention when you were talking about how everyone who isn't American in this film is portrayed pretty poorly. Yeah. I think it's interesting in the ways that um, Seth Green's character Scott becomes sort of a um, becomes sort of a proxy for the audience in a lot of ways because early on we get this scene where um, Doctor Evil and his cohorts are sitting around a table and he does a joke where he says something he does like a poop joke or something oh, no. he talks about how his evil plan is called preparation, preparation H. H yeah yeah and Seth Green takes the moment to mention that like oh I get it it's funny because it's like a butt so like first of all this movie takes the time to explain every joke it makes like eight different ways but also Seth Green becomes kind of the stand-in for the audience because he's like oh haha very funny you know poop jokes He's also arguably the most normal person in this film, which is telling because he becomes a supervillain by the end. Yeah, he hates everybody involved. Uh, he's miserable, and his father doesn't love him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly how I felt after watching Austin Powers' yeah, Gold it, Member. It did feel a lot like being abandoned by a parent, uh-huh. uh, the experience of watching this film. The experience of watching this film, to me, was more like watching a crew of men trying to push a broken car up a hill until it starts, because... <laughs> A lot of the jokes in this, uh, for example, they'll say the joke, which is not very good to begin with, mm-hmm. and then another character will then self-reflexively explain the joke, or perhaps the character who made the jokes themselves will comment on yeah. how the bit has not landed, which is this very this, is this very heavy, 
you know, on second guessing method of, of telling comedy. It's the type of shit that when I do it, in my head I yell at myself for doing because yeah. I know it's not funny. It's very much kind of this uh, this really stream of consciousness experience a lot of the time where you get these constant just like juvenile jokes that the film takes the time to explain. But then you also get these bits and these jokes that really don't have any sort of uh, sequential nature whatsoever. Just complete non-sequiturs. Like, yeah, no, just, no, just comments and like words that they say that are ostensibly meant to be jokes, but ultimately have no sort of comedic heft behind them whatsoever. Yeah, it's basically... It is... <laughs> I don't want to say this about a movie that has given me the character Goldmember, okay. but I will say this about a movie that has given me the character Goldmember. This is just an epic movie or a scary movie type thing. It, it really is, is. It is It is pretty much the blueprint for those. Uh, That's very interesting. Like, you could trace, you could trace a genealogy for those films back to um, the Austin Powers franchise as a whole, I'm assuming, since I have not seen the first two films, I'm coming in kind of like a Star Wars prequels type thing. Yeah. Where I'm seeing the last episode first. Um, we do get some flashbacks to Austin Powers Zero. Where uh, there, he, there are... Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead, go ahead. Where he and Dr. Evil are in, like, a college together or something. I think it's, like, some, like, boarding school thing. It's very... Seeing, like, young men in makeup to make them look like Mike Myers in his Austin Powers and Dr. Evil makeup uh-huh. was a viscerally upsetting experience. Uh-huh. Um, it's just sort of one of those things where it's like, yeah, I understand that why Mike Myers does this. He loves having things glued to his face. But uh, you don't make other people do this. Don't subject other people. <laughs> he loves gluing things to his face almost as much as Goldmember loves gold. That's a lot, dude. Yeah, he fucking dude, loves gold. He... So here's the okay. We need to talk about the titular man, the eponymous gold, the eponymous member. gold member who was not in this movie nearly enough for my liking. <laughs> because all I want to hear is gold member scream about how he loves gold and how he lost his dick in an unfortunate smelting <laughs> accident. That's literally so... all I need because I don't find anything in this else in this movie fulfilling other than the funny voice of the character gold member uh-huh. who has. Who, who is just, like... That's an accent that does not exist. Yeah. Uh, isn't he supposed to be, like, Dutch or something? He's supposed to be Dutch, uh, which Michael Caine, who plays Austin Powers' dad, really hates in the movie. For some reason. Which I guess they thought would be funny because it's like, oh, yeah, he hates Dutch people. That's such a weird thing to be, like, hateful towards. But uh-huh. then also they have extended bits that are just incredibly cruel to Japanese people. Yes, it's very racist. Um, this movie's awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that being said, Goldmember himself, legitimately one of the things that made me laugh a lot in this movie, Okay. Uh, was when he was... So they he so when Austin goes back in time to see... to find his father, who's been kidnapped by Goldmember in the past... Somehow. Yeah, somehow. Don't a lot worry. of plot holes here. Don't worry about it. Uh, the plot holes will be filled with gold. Um... Uh, he he's going to a club and he's he's meeting Foxy Cleopatra there, played by Beyonce Knowles, who's probably the most accomplished performer in this entire she film. She deserved so much better. Yeah. Uh, Vo- Vern Troyer also deserved Vern a lot of Troyer, money for what he had to go Vern through. Vern Troyer, is, we'll we'll get to we'll the get fucking to that. gauntlet. Okay. That Vern the thing had that to made endure. me the thing the thing that made me laugh. A lot was when Goldmember he does this thing where he like lifts his legs up so his <laughs> so his his he does it a lot where so his like foot will be like next to his head yeah um he does it to do like kicks when people are trying to catch him but he also does he they to to make sure the audience knows that he can do this they uh-huh. do have an establishing shot of a horribly CGI'd Mike Myers um <laughs> pushing both of his legs up so they are. Uh, completely vertical perpendicular to the ground yes. completely yeah. uh and it just if you look at the hip area <laughs> on that abomination that's on screen <laughs> and i do want to say for 2002 mm-hmm. they did their best with the cgi they did their best but those thighs do pop it does look like he has two very large chicken drumsticks attached it, to his body it's it is body horror. It's it, grotesque. Like most things in this film, it is it is a carnival of grotesqueries. Yeah. I think that um, two things. First off, I think we kind of got into the Goldmember vibe around the same time, 
because um, you hyped this movie up for me quite a bit, and you did you you continually did two bits for me, which yeah. were that um, he lost his dick in a schmelting accident, yeah. and that he loves gold. Yeah, that's all you need to know. And you said it in a very particular voice, which I thought was you exaggerating. But at one point in the film, he does indeed just stop in the middle of what he's doing and just say, I love gold! It's yeah. great. It's really funny. It's <laughs> it's one of the few bits that genuinely made me laugh. I and, love um, that we just laugh at a funny man saying he loves gold. Yeah, it's the only, it's like a complete, it's one of the least, like, high impact jokes in this entire film and i think it's also one of the funniest it is it is without a doubt behind danny devito is the funniest joke the funniest joke is danny devito and that and that is just the presence of danny devito in such a garbage movie i do have uh, i did take notes during the film so i do have a list of kind of what made me laugh please uh first off is during the opening sequence when um austin powers who's actually tom cruise uh, skydives out of a plane and I thought that was funny because it's very obviously one of the shots like a ragdoll they basically threw out of a yeah. plane which is funny uh, Danny DeVito as Mini-Me is my next one mm-hmm. then uh, a lot of uh, oh I didn't make a note here uh, I did say that 90% of his awesome powers comedy is just making faces like his scrotums being electrocuted I mean like here's the thing you need to know about the character of Austin Powers is he's probably experienced that he's an international man of mystery and he's a, he's very shagadelic. All I'm saying is that it's not something I can really convey on a podcast, but whenever there's a moment of dead air between cuts in this film, which happens very often, Mike Myers will just vaguely mug into the camera like somebody's like attaching a car jack to his grundle he does really like to he 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 does really ham it up he becomes a full like he it's pulled pork here uh, you know excuse me he's ham he's oh hamming he's it ham. up it's yeah pulled, pulled pork and yeah. also that could have been an innuendo because it's austin powers and it's a funny sex romp yeah so i so that's so that's my first first uh first two it's the uh, skydiving Danny DeVito's mini-me, and then there's kind of a big thing where I mention uh, that it's like a train wreck. Um, there's there's the Studio 69, which didn't actually make me laugh. I did think it was kind of like funny in like a stupid way. I don't um, know. I would have called that a laugh. Yeah, I, I have I love gold. That's number three. That's number one. <laughs> I mean, it is number That's one. It's number one. It's number three chronologically. Um uh fucking uh the dr evil shaped submarine which i really enjoyed (laughs) okay you just skipped an hour of the movie between laughs just so you know these so i did laugh a couple times (laughs) but these are the ones that i felt were big enough to make notes out of i didn't keep track because a lot of what i was laughing at Uh was mostly just you experiencing this (laughs) because i had an idea of what was happening Uh i had seen this movie before when i was like 10 yeah which is probably not the age you should see this the target audience for this is like 12 year olds it is it's it's both 12 it's 12 year olds perverts and like old men yeah i my fifth laugh is that there is a bit where they are meeting with a japanese businessman and they make it they make a funny out of how this meta this kind of meta thing where the japanese dude's subtitles are being obscured because they're white text and like so it looks like it's saying horny things which is a clever genesis for like a bit like it's a good jumping off point but they still take the time to explain the joke like austin's like oh well you're like you're out here like saying these things and that's like a little 20s gangster that's very new york it's like it's like ah do you make me horny baby like i can't quite yeah you can't do that i can't do it i can't so mike myers uh as austin powers says that like oh you're making me think you could have just spoken in english instead of making me think you're saying rude words with the subtitles then he looks at the camera yeah so the whole movie is like that. here's the thing there's a lot of looking in the camera um the the thing about the subtitle bit is that i've seen it done better in other movies okay there's one movie and i'm i think it was called the imposters it's also got some stuff that that's aged poorly but for the most part it's pretty good anyway um it has a bit where there is someone talking on the phone in another language while a character's hiding under their bed and the person under the bed sees the subtitles but they're reversed so they look behind them and see them in the mirror and can read what they're saying that's pretty good that's a pretty good bit Uh uh-huh 
that's a very good bit. There was something else in this movie that I laughed at that I'm seeing on my notes, but it was something that I laughed at more out of disbelief and sheer terror than, like, actual comedy. Yeah. And that's the fucking slaughter that Mike Myers delivers to Bird Troyer in this hotel room scene. There's an upsetting amount of violence done to Mini-Me that's, like, 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 to the, like, he is put in a pillowcase, picked up within that pillowcase, and then slammed through a glass table. Yeah. And, like, it's a bit much. It's like a scene in a fucking Takashi Miike film where, like, someone comes to shake down, like, like a gangster. Like, they, they, he, he brutalizes Vern Troyer so thoroughly that by the end of it, I was, like, legitimately uncomfortable. Yeah, like, no, there's a lot, like, I said during this, and, like, also, uh, uh, big ups to uh, Vern Troyer, R.I.P. Um, uh, <laughs> I kissed my finger and pointed yeah. to the sky. Um, really sorry. Sincerely, though, I, I do like Vern Troyer oh, a lot. Yeah. Um, I was saying, like, I really hope he got paid well for this, and he had to have, because he got debased. This movie hates anybody that's not a white man yeah yeah it's it's fucked this i mean the whole the whole mo of this movie is like anyone just anyone and everyone you know like there's there's some really bad bits with this pair of japanese twins near the beginning yeah we're, i don't even want to touch that one because yeah. that one is that one's just straight up like there's that one's actually like there's there's no way to talk around that constructively because no. it is it is pointless it's and heinous. it is fucking disgusting it's just bad um I'm, I'm kind of flipping through my notes at this point um i do have i now this is interesting um i did take the time during the filming to note that um near the end of the film where they're initiating dr evil's plan which is his plan is very complicated. He wants to. Um, so he's, I'm going to try to explain yeah, this. Okay, um, so Doctor Evil's plan in this film is to bring a meteorite made of gold crashing into Earth with a tractor beam, unless he can get like one billion gajillion farillion dollars or whatever that bit is that they do. But in order to accomplish this, he has to find the only person who ever made a tractor beam. Which was Goldmember, but Goldmember's dead, so they have to go back in time to, like, retrieve Goldmember or something. Yeah, I think it, it was, like, they had Goldmember, but then they also needed to, like, hire a Japanese man who they named Mr. Roboto, so they could say Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto. In 2002. <laughs> but the point of this that I'm trying to get to with, um, sort of contextualizing this whole, uh, grand scheme is that at the end when it all starts going south, uh, Goldmember escapes in a, in a car, and I made a note of this. I said that his car looks a bit like a prostate massager. That is probably intentional. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that was intentional or not. They did put Preparation H in the back of it. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of... You think, you think Austin Powers is into that sort of... Like, he's into pegging... I see. I because he makes a he makes a reference to only liking gadgets in the bedroom. Yeah, um, I feel like there's some leeway on that. See, I haven't seen the previous Austin Powers films, so I don't know if those go a long way in establishing the man's preference for getting done dirty in the bedroom. You know. Well, I, yeah, I remember the first one. I, the only thing I really remember is that there's a bit with a penis pump. Uh huh. And that's it. That's all the only gadget I can remember him using on any of his junk. Okay, um, alright. I, I will say that um, in terms of the sexual content in this film, it was a lot uh, a lot less than I thought it would be, to be frank. That's the, that's the thing, is everybody thinks this movie, like, every Austin Powers purports to be, like, like a sex comedy, but it's mostly just a dick comedy. Yeah, well, it's mostly like a dick and poo poo pee pee comedy. Where the first was the first one more like overtly sexual because I feel like maybe maybe they made the first one and then like kids started liking it, so they tried to make it more like uh, toilet humor and less like dick and, and well, I mean there's still dick humor, but it's not like you don't see you don't see like any like actual boobs in this movie or anything. 
Um, so here's the thing about the other Austin Powers movies is I don't really remember them too vividly because they did come out when I was three years old. The first okay. one, like, wow. it came out in '97. Came, came to that one pretty early then. Yeah, well, you know, uh, Mike Myers is a Canadian uh, icon. He's okay. a hero to my people, and uh, I just wanted to support one of my countrymen okay. uh, as a three-year-old. Uh-huh. So I got to see him. Uh, pump up his dick in theaters yeah absolutely um i did say that this was not a very horny film but there is an extremely grotesque moment where where for troyer as mini me humps beyonce's leg like some sort of animal yeah i don't know if you you might have uh, this might have been a moment that you sort of like were in sort of a fugue state for... Did you check the scene where they established that Vern Troyer has a penis the size of his leg? Yes, yeah. I did catch that scene. I think okay. during it I was up getting a snack, yeah. but I did I did hear Michael Caine talk about Vern... Uh, I shouldn't call him Vern Troyer because that's like slandering the man. Yeah, Mini-Me. Mini-Me. There was the scene where they where they established Mini Me has a has a set of genitalia the size of like a man's arm. It does feel nicer though to say Vern Troyer because the words Mini Me makes me feel bad inside. It really does, yeah. Um, yeah, there is. Again, I cannot stress enough that both Beyonce and Vern Troyer deserve the biggest paychecks here. Oh, absolutely. Like, there's a. She kisses Austin Powers. Like, they canonically, I guess, since this is the final in the trilogy, uh-huh. Austin Powers ends up with Foxy Cleopatra, who is Beyonce. Way outside of his league. Like, she. I don't. One of the best scenes in this movie um, is the bit where they're at Studio 69 for the first time, and. Um, I will, I will, with, as with most things in this film, I will kind of, you know, preface this by saying this joke has aged extremely poorly and that it was never funny at all and that there is a bit of, like, a, like, a weird, like, gay joke with, like, Nathan Lane in this, but other than that, the scene where Foxy Cleopatra is talking to Austin Powers behind Nathan Lane's back like, that is, like, a legitimately good performance from Beyoncé, which is something that this movie does not deserve in but, any way, like, shape, or form. Like, both her and Nathan Lane do go for it yeah. there. Like, they are trying to make the material work. Uh-huh. You get the sense that she genuinely did want to make, like, a fun comedy oh, yeah. at times. And, like, I feel like Mike Myers also thought he was making a fun comedy. He wasn't. No. Mike, I'm sorry. I like your other work. I do. I swear. This one's a miss. <laughs> being in this movie is like being inside of the Mike Myers psychosphere, I think. Um, like, I don't think I realized that... I knew he played Austin Powers in Doctor Evil, but there's more to it than just that, because he also plays... Um, he also plays the eponymous gold member. Mm-hmm. He also plays Fat Bastard, who makes several appearances in this film. Yeah, that's a, that one's aged really well. Yeah, real great. Um, doesn't he also do something else in this, or am I, or am I imagining? Uh, Mr. Myers? I don't think so. Mr. Myers? I don't think he plays anyone else. Hold on. Uh, no, no, he just plays the four characters. Yeah. He just plays, um, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, um... It's kind of a shame in this film, and, I mean, this whole film is a shame, let's be real here. Like, you can tell during the scenes where he's playing uh, Dr. Evil and then, like, back-talking as Austin Powers, or, like, when he's playing any of the two characters, mm-hmm. they have a lot of trouble cutting it in a way that makes the pacing seem like it's anything else than just, like, the most plodding, like, telegraphed punchline, you know, kind of slop. Oh, like, I again, uh, another thing that kind of must might be lost uh, because you haven't seen the other films, they're just repeating jokes from the other movies. Really? Pretty much half the jokes in this are just like, hey, remember Austin Powers 2? Or the first one, maybe? Like, that whole bit with the satellite where it looked like boobs. Oh, okay. That was They did that in... I don't remember which one, but it was a... a, a, a a penis in, in ah, another one okay and they all like it would cut right before they said hey that looks like a dick it would cut after they say like and then it would some someone else being like penises get your penises here <laughs> you know like on the street but yeah. like innocuously and then that person would notice it and want, start saying something else okay. and it would just keep it was bad yeah 
Yeah, yeah this whole thing is like a, a stream of consciousness, like just stilted, <laughs> just horrible, just like. Did Mike Myers write this, or was he just involved? I'm, with I'm it? checking now. Um, co-written by Mike Myers and Michael McCullers. Who has also written... Are you sure Michael McCullers isn't just a pseudonym for Mike Myers? I don't know. He is writing Shrek 5. Oh. Okay. In a film called Frog Kisser. Ah. I see. Very, um... Oh, okay. So McCullers came on the second film. Okay. So, you know. He's he's a veteran. He's a vet. He's a real... Yeah, I do. Um, there, there are some other things in this movie that I enjoy, which is that. Um, oh, sorry, I need to. I need to. Sorry, the the guy who wrote Gold Member wrote the Boss Baby. Ah, the book or the film? The film. The film. Yeah. Sorry. Now go ahead. I just needed to get that out before it's I very, exploded. It's very, it's very important information. I do like how this um, this movie tends to flirt with sort of like a Mulholland Drive, like La La Land sort of, um, yeah, sort of kind of infatuation with the American cinematic tradition, because the beginning of this film kind of peels back the layers of meta narrative and like uh, sort of the 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 illusion of cinema, I would say, because yeah. the first bit you get is this uh, very sort of serious Austin Powers where. The camera zooms out, and it is a trailer for a film starring um, starring Tom Cruise as Austin Powers. And Gwyneth Paltrow as Dixie Normos. Yes, and then that zooms out even further, and you see Steven Spielberg asking Austin his opinion. But yeah. then Austin breaks into a musical number. Because they need mojo. Yeah, because they need mojo. And that zooms out even further to reveal that that is footage being scored live. For another Austin Powers movie. But then also he steps out of the screen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, and Quincy Jones is there doing the music. Yeah, it blends the lines between reality and the cinematic, you know, sort of illusion. Which I think is really compelling. Especially because by the end it brings it back around where this whole time they've been watching the film adaptation of Goldmember. Yeah, and John Travolta is playing Goldmember, and I want a cut of the movie that's got him in that role the entire time. I want a cut of this movie that has the... Sorry, the fake Austin Powers movie we didn't mention. It was titled Austin Pussy. Austin Pussy, Which is really fucking clever, you guys. Um, So... (laughs) Yeah, uh, I really wanted to see a cut of this film with that cast. Yeah. Because I'd much rather see Tom Cruise and... Well, I, I guess I don't want to see Kevin Spacey anymore. No, probably But not. I, I do want to see Tom Cruise and John Travolta talking about John Travolta's dick getting burnt off in an unfortunate schmelting accident. Yeah, yeah. I want to see... Um... I want to see a recut of that hotel room fight with uh, Tom Cruise and Danny DeVito. Because that would be the fucking all-time greatest. <coughs> 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 Austin Powers gold member is so bad, it's poisoned me. <laughs> I've been poisoned by Austin Powers um, gold member. So, are there any other like things you really that are like you're burning to touch on? Because I'm really curious, like what immediately has grabbed you here. And yeah. If, if you don't have anything else, I do have stuff I'm ready to bring up. But you I know. do have other notes on here that we please, can kind of please. Go um, so kind of starting from the top, I was wondering if Mike Myers did his own stunts, but then I realized it was Tom Cruise, so he probably did do his own stunts for that sequence. <laughs> <laughs> if I really hope Tom Cruise did his own stunts for that, I God, I hope he did. It'd be fucking incredible to see him like jumping out of a plane dressed as Austin Powers. Um, I talked about how Seth Green is like the audience stand-in, uh, feeling cold and dead by the end of this. Um, I, at one moment, I wrote, uh, I think, that this film is about uh, our relationships with our fathers and how they have an effect on the adults we become into. And then ten minutes later, I wrote, update. No, it's not. It's just, <laughs> it's just about racism and dicks. Yeah, uh, I did make a note where I said, is this supposed to be this awkward? Because I wasn't sure if they were like going for some weird vibe intentionally or if i was just like sitting here in stone silence because i'm a grown adult and austin powers does nothing for me yeah yeah so having not seen the um first two i can only assume that this sort of uh, existential angst carried by austin powers and this sort of resentment towards his father figure are, are major plot points in the first two films oh yeah not at all no never really? never mentioned never okay. this is the first the 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 first time you learn that austin powers even has a dad is in this movie okay. also by the way i was looking at the cast and apparently young 
Austin Powers' dad, Nigel. That's his name. Nigel Powers. Yeah. yeah. Young Nigel Powers is played by Scott Ackerman of Comedy Bang Bang. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know what scene that's in. I have no idea either. Um. So. Oh, also other character, other actors who are in like tiny roles uh two guys from uh heroes are in this greg gunberg and masioka both okay. have like one line okay uh, greg gunberg went on to write to uh, to voice the main character in um condemned criminal, criminal origins okay yeah, yeah, yeah ozzy osbourne's in this ozzy osbourne's in this his whole family's in this yeah talking uh, about boobs and also breaking the fourth wall because they they literally say wait they're just reusing the joke from the old movies oh i didn't and catch that i think they thought that made it good if yeah. you say that? This film has some sort of, like, some sort of misguided kind of ethos where, like, if you're not confident in a, if you're not confident enough in a joke, then drawing attention to it makes it funny. When, it, in fact, the exact opposite is true, where you yeah. have to commit to the bit or people know that shit sucks. Like, yeah. Like, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, some other notes I have... Uh, I love the Taco Bell product placement. We need to talk about the amount of product placement in this. Okay, so, let's talk let's about see. product placement. We've got Taco Bell, AOL. Yes. Um, uh, Pepsi. There's a Britney Spears Pepsi Britney billboard. Spears. There's Britney, yeah, Britney Spears just, like, straight up is in the movie, too. Yes. Uh, like, like, they have billboards with her on it, so, like... It's double duty. I, I, it's both a cameo and product placement. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Motorola. Bacardi. Bacardi. Uh, Heineken. Heineken. Oh god, there's so much. It's kind of hard to catch. It's I, really hard to catch. I think maybe we should give Goldmember a second viewing at some point and do kind of an update on this with uh with the product placement and such. You do look like you're dying as I say this to you though. Yeah, man. I only watch I watch this I, I'm going to I watch this movie once every uh 14 years, I guess, is okay. the new tradition. <laughs> I, so um, when I'm 38, you'll get my updated opinions on uh, Goldmember. Go, on Goldmember. Yeah, I feel like every time we have the chance to meet up from now on, uh, God knows when that's going to happen again. But we should watch um, another Austin Powers film, but working backwards through the chronology, so we get kind of like a Star Wars slash Metal Gear kind of perception of the Austin. You Powers know, we universe. are in Texas, so you could hold me at gunpoint to do that, but that's the only fucking way you're getting me to watch more <laughs> of these goddamn movies. What the spy who shagged me doesn't sound like a good title, to you. <sighs> so going through uh, the notes again. I did make the note, quote, just absolutely bonkers stream of consciousness surreal jokes, which I think was in reference to when Dr. Evil says he was picked up by um, a Belgian man and his 14-year-old love slave with webbed feet, which yeah. is an actual joke they make in this film. Like, well, like not, not even fucking around on my end. Like, that's straight up what they say. Yeah, that's really fucked, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They, they, like, decided to just, like, write in the weirdest yeah. like throwaway line yeah and it's like not dwelled upon for a second and then it's implied that the belgians also made dr evil evil yeah so there's a lot of weird you know european politics going on in this too as opposed to just you know hating people that aren't white which i is a little is that refreshing i don't want to no. no that's not refreshing not at all edit that out okay <laughs> <laughs> um it's terrible. It's, it's, uh... There's so much in this movie that, like, we can't even have a discussion about because it's just that Like, rancid. you remember my reaction when they said, hey, we're gonna go to Japan. Oh, yeah. When, <laughs> when they were like, oh, we have to go to Japan, Andy, Andy flipped a shit. Which, I um... was just, like, I was like, oh, no. Because, you, guess what? Hey, they make jokes about sumo wrestling and, uh, Godzilla. Yeah really fucking original yeah i um i've always kind of wondered in the back of my mind whether or not austin powers is a fan of hentai but now that i know he has canonically visited japan i feel like the answer to that is definitively yes he is he is getting horny for the anime babes or do you think austin powers is strictly 3d over 2d I think Austin Powers is... Well, he's not no-fap, because he does reference... Oh, Jesus um, Christ. 
he does reference uh, masturbation in a conversation with his father. Yes. Uh, Another classic. He does thing. ask his father why he's not jerking off. And, yes. Uh, instead of... Uh, why, why he's... Sorry. Why he's trying to fuck four women at once, I think? I think so, Instead yeah. of just uh, jerking off. Well, which, you know, is a thing that I feel like most people probably ask their dads. Like, hey, why are you, why are you surrounded by women instead of masturbating? Uh, that's pretty typical conversation topics. I feel like my... Do you need to edit that one out, too? I think it's fine. <laughs> I feel like my soul's being drained from my body, though. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. Anyway, uh, I don't know if he's super... I feel like he's more into, like... Like, he's, he'd, he'd really be the worst hostess club-like... Okay. Like, client. He's, like, the maid cafe type. Yeah, he's, like... But, like, the... The worst ones. Yeah. The ones who don't realize that, like, they don't... They, they, that they're being paid to be nice. Yes. He thinks they actually like him. Mm-hmm. And that, so here's the thing. Here's what I'm just realizing in the middle of a sentence. Okay. Austin Powers is the British Duke Nukem. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Austin Powers is the British Duke Nukem because he is just a pure, like, stereotype of a specific time period of that... of. Uh, of Britain, uh-huh. and he he makes dated references that yes. don't really suit him. Uh, he and he he purports to fuck a lot, but there's no real evidence. There's no evidence whatsoever. I'm gonna say this now. Okay, Austin Powers is definitely incel. Okay, you think you think he's into like um, so you think he can dish out like the weird British foreplay, but he can't really seal the deal, is what you're saying. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I think that when it comes time to really know a woman biblically. When it's time to get shagadelic, as he would say, uh-huh. he doesn't know what to do. Okay. And I just think that he is such a detestable man that no human, like, that regardless of gender, would fuck this. <laughs> I um I really like this theory because um because it, it plays in a lot with the rest of this film in that he's constantly making these like innuendos and like these horny little bits and stuff like that and all the characters are like oh you scamp but especially in Beyonce's case they're very obviously just like humoring him as opposed to like playing into it yeah it does very much feel like Austin Powers they've just got told like. Yeah, you gotta just just put up with him. He's gonna say some stuff. Just smile and nod. You don't have to engage with it. Just be just 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 say he's a bit of a scoundrel and how, smile. How fucking grim is that? Like Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, Austin Powers Four. If I do ever get it made, I've got a spec script. It does end with his death. Okay, let's talk. Let's talk shop about Austin Powers Four because yeah. this movie. Kind of leaves things open-ended. Um, Goldmember is presumed dead, I suppose. Or, like, it doesn't really kind of resolve that because when you're about to find out what happened to him, he just turns into John Travolta and the camera pans away. Yeah, um, which is... Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, Goldmember is ostensibly still at large. Dr. Evil and Austin Powers join forces Because in they're film. brothers. Because they're brothers. Um, and the kind of kicker is that Seth Green's character, who's Dr. Evil's son has kind of become the evil mastermind. So the pieces are all in place for a film in which Dr. Evil and Austin Powers have joined forces for Dr. Evil to turn against his own flesh and blood, which would be a great title, Austin Powers 4, Flesh and Blood. Oh, for sure. That Yeah, no, that is definitely what... Uh, that I think we've got our title uh-huh. uh, right now. What I... So my pitch for AP4 uh-huh. is... Um, so, so um, Scotty Evil, uh, Seth Green, he is, uh, he's older now, he's wiser. Austin Power is also older, a little feeble. Okay. But, uh, and he's, he's with his brother, uh, Dougie Evil, who they can now do in the same shot because of CGI technology. Oh, fuck. Which uh, I think would really bring things together. Uh-huh. Uh, so those two have become this sort of, like, crime-fighting duo. Okay. Um... It, which is, but like Doctor Evil's the brains of the operation. He's sort of like he sta- He's the communicate. He, he's like in the van talking to Austin sure. through yeah. stuff and giving him his gadgets. He's got the money. Austin has the shag. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The mojo. The mojo. The mojo. Please. 
Uh, the sh- shagging is what you do with the mojo. It's very, it's a hard dialect to follow. I know. Sorry for being so foolish, but this it's is okay. my first time at the. Rodeo. It's okay. It's okay. I got you covered. What I you mentioned that Goldmember's fate is ambiguous. Yes. What I would like to presuppose is that he is not dead, but in fact, his the the lightning that shocked him morphed him into John Travolta. Oh, okay. So what we saw at the end, yes, that was the footage of their film. But Goldmember is still at large, still loves gold. Uh-huh. That can't cannot he be understood. He loves gold. He loves gold, and uh, he's played by John Travolta now. I think we might give him a sort of, like, a heavy named, like, uh, silver ass or something. Silver ass. I couldn't. Uh, you know, it's you know, uh, we're we're just working with it. Copper balls. Copper taint is what yeah. I was going to say. Pretty good too. Platinum bus. I'm moving on. <laughs> so what? What basically? Scotty Evil uh, and Goldmember team up. Because uh, Goldmember has a golden opportunity to yes. kill Austin Powers. Okay, I like and it. And the he, way he uses the golden ratio to formulate his plan. They, they, what they do is they use the time travel technology uh-huh. that is established in Austin Powers Three. Because I really want to make sure this is pays homage to the canon. Yes. Yeah, the extended universe. The extensive canon that we have been given. They use their time travel technology to travel back in time, and. The plan is to erase Austin Powers from existence before he can really do anything. Okay, I like that. So, what ends up happening, and I don't want to give it all away, but they they chase him back. It's the 50s. Uh-huh. It, they, they gotta stop Nigel Powers from fucking. Oh, okay. The film ends when... To stop his father from dying, okay. Austin Powers jumps in the way of the bullet, okay, and it ricochets off of something, <laughs> bounces off a gold member's dingle, okay, <laughs> and then kill also ricochets back into Austin Powers' brain, killing him instantly. Instantly, okay, and then it hits his father, killing him instantly, and Austin Powers is erased from existence along with Doctor Evil, Scotty Evil. Uh, Goldmember, because Goldmember would have died if they didn't get him from the time machine. It's basically a complete reset, and I think it would help us a lot as a society well, if we could just erase Austin Powers from the time stream. Well, And then I can make my Foxy Cleopatra film. Yeah, I was going to say, you've opened up a lot of options here, actually. Um, one, I love it. Like, I feel like the comedy of a bullet bouncing off Goldmember's wang and, like, hitting somebody is pretty, uh... Pretty underserved in the actual film Goldmember. Like, that's territory they just didn't mine for some reason. Um, second of all, I would love for this film to, as, you know, since Goldmember has engaged so much with the metatextual narrative of, of film and the enjoyment of film itself, I would love for uh, Austin Powers for Flesh and Blood to end with just, like, the film, like, burning up in the projector. Like, no credit sequence, no nothing. Like, kind of like the end of Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they all get arrested. And the movie just ends. Like, something like that. And third of all, you've also opened up the kind of potential for a sort of alternate universe take on Austin Powers. Where, you know... The, Austin the, weakness. Yeah, the, the central Austin canon has been, you know, severed and sort of wrapped itself up. But we can still kind of mine into Austin Powers Zero, which we saw some footage from in Goldmember... And we can still uh, we can still kind of dive into Austin Powers' Crisis on Infinite Austins, which I feel like is a really good territory to move into. That sound, you know what? That sounds perfect for our Netflix series that I'm hoping to get off the ground once okay. this is successful. Because I really do think you know Netflix they they they're the they're the company to really take the uh, the you know the AP mythos and really lean into it. Yeah, as the mega powers, I feel like we do kind of. Um, you know, deserve that 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 license at this point. I think we've proved ourselves, but um, let me kill Austin Powers, and I promise you, it will be the most satisfying moment in all of cinema history. Yeah, yeah. So, um, normally on our podcast, this is about when we get into the question section. Um, yeah. I didn't ask for any questions on Austin Powers Goldmember, but 
I do have some questions of my own about yeah, Austin Powers. Yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions you have as the expert here. Okay, if you have any as well that I can... Uh, oh, of course, of course, of course. So, uh, my first my first question here is, um, there's, there's a lot of plot holes in this film. Uh, mm. A lot of it has to do with sort of the complexity of Dr. Evil's plan. How did Goldmember manage to kidnap Nigel Powers from the future if Dr. Evil was the one at the time machine? How did that work? I mean, clearly time travel technology is, uh, is in place. It's also worth pointing out that, um, number two, and, uh, I don't know her name, the, the German lady who Dr. Uh-huh. Evil makes out with a lot, uh, they didn't get captured. Okay. So, I mean, it is... I guess a plot hole, if um, you want to call it that. And this otherwise spotless. And this other, like I, I think it's pretty. Like if you use, you know, some critical thinking, you'll see that it was clearly number two who finished the schematics that Doctor Evil had created. Okay. And and sort of helped Goldmember come and kidnap Michael Caine. Okay. Here's another question. Um. So in the film. Uh, there's a bit where Dr. Evil gets racked uh, in the nuts by a sort of, like, asteroid prop that he's using to explain his evil plan. Yeah. Afterwards, um, he, he kind of counts his testicles. He goes, one, two, three. Yeah. All there. Yeah. So, it's established here that Dr. Evil has three, three, three nuts. Yeah. Does Mini-Me also have a triple sack? So, we can... So, like, this is one of those things where... We don't know how the cloning process works. Okay. We, that is a thing we could get into okay. in 4, but it's going to be hard. Like, I don't want to... I, I, I was going to just avoid the topic of Mini-Me and the sequel altogether, if I'm being honest, without Vern. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. Um, but that being said, we do know for a fact that um, Mini-Me's rig is, like, a foot and a half long. Yeah, I think they describe it and, as a baby's arm holding an apple at one point. Yeah, and... To, like we don't know what Doctor Evil's situation is, but he uh-huh. is related to Austin Powers, Powers, who does say that he wishes he had a giant rod at one point. Okay, so we can we can say that there's pro- like genetically speaking, Doctor Evil probably does not have a big disc. So let's assume, but this. but 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 I think that in the cloning process, some things like happened. Okay, and we can't. I don't want to speculate on the 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 plural like the number of nuts that Mini Me the character has. Okay. I just want to. I, I it's sort of a Schrodinger situation if the, if he's got the triple or not. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. and one last question for me: Would you say that the sort of uh, turning point in this film, uh, the kind of emotional crux of Goldmember, is Mini Me getting rejected by Doctor Evil in favor of his biological son Scott? Yeah, this is one hundred percent like that is the main plot of this movie. Really, yeah. is like Mini Me uh, becoming a good guy yeah. and like helping Austin Powers get back at Doctor Evil because he's jealous of his son. And then it's weird. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of father son kind of stuff happening. No, yeah, this, this this is a very paternal film. This really it, like. You know, a lot like Logan sort of made people think about fatherhood. Okay. And, you know, uh, I, like, this, I think, similarly, 16 years ago, did that for a lot of the movie going public. Okay. Uh, also, like Logan, see, this is secretly a Western. Yeah, uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, this town ain't big enough for the two of us because I've got a giant dick, so I have to be a good It's made of gold. Now. Yeah. Uh, all right, what about you? What kind of Do you have any lingering questions from Austin Powers' gold member? <laughs> Any other topics that we haven't, like, sussed out in this kind of nightmare? What? Okay. Okay. So, in Austin Powers, we have Mike Myers playing a a Belgian-raised supervillain. Yes. A British, a British man uh, who uh, has the, the power of the mojo. Yes. A Scottish man who uh, we've avoided talking about and will continue to avoid talking about. I will say for that particular character, he is just doing his Shrek voice. It's just, it's just his Shrek voice, and uh, it's, a, it's fucking awful. It's the fucking... It's terrible. It's anyway. really bad. And also a Dutchman. So I guess what I want to say is what accent and what and what character would you build around that accent 
for Mike Myers to play in Austin Powers 4, Flesh and Blood. Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. There is no answer I come up with to this question that is not at least casually racist. Italian. Okay, how so? Everyone can do an Italian accent. I'm not saying he can or can't do an accent. I'm saying that, that Austin Powers is inherently problematic in the way it stereotypes various nationalities. and I I don't know. I don't think they nailed any Dutch stereotypes, really, considering yeah. all he does is go, like gold and doing high kicks behind his head. He does smoke cigar and eat pancakes, though, however. I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, Goldmember's whole thing is that he smokes cigars and eats pancakes. He's like a... C- cigar with a pancake or, or like uh, cigarette with a pancake smoking a crap with a waffle yeah uh, like bong in a something yeah, yeah. but gold member canonically smokes weed gold member does canonically smoke weed and like, we're gonna ha- we're gonna really go into his you know like him doing that in the sequel because i think that that gives it a bit of an edge i was thinking we could get david ayer the director of suicide squad to sort of consult on how to update okay some because like he did such a good job with the joker yeah uh that i think he could really spruce something up and we could get this sort of like i think i think what I'd want is sort of an Italian mob boss character okay. for Mike Myers to play so he could do a fun Mario voice. Alright, like a Charles Martinet type thing. Yeah, definitely a Charles Martinet type thing. I think uh, I think maybe in Austin Powers 4, Goldmember strikes me as the kind of dude who'd be really into like SoundCloud rappers and stuff like that. Oh, fuck. Like, he's got like the tracksuit and everything. Oh, no. So I think in Austin Powers 4, which, you know, takes place like 16 years later... He's probably, like, got tatted up. Like, he probably went to, like, some fucking uh, shows, you know. He got big into, uh, big into, like, that scene and everything. I don't want to see Goldmember with Post Malone, okay? Yeah. I mean, they would fit well, don't you think? Yeah. Goldmember okay. does eat his own skin and presumably smells really bad. Yeah. And all I'm saying is, like... Post Malone is a relevant cultural reference in the year 2000. Yeah, true. They're, oh my god. I forgot about the rap sequence. Oh yeah, where they where they do a rap that samples Hard Knock Life. Yeah, that was... Miami. That, like... There was nothing explicitly racist, but I know it was racist. It had the whiff of racism. It, this it. whole film did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at one point during the film, Andy looked at me and they said... This film feels like it smells bad. It does. Like, I just felt like... I think this might be a thing with me and, unfortunately, with my movies that involve Mike Myers being in prosthetics. <laughs> I'll explain why. I went to see The Cat in the Hat in theaters with, uh, like, my... With, like, some friends when I was in school when okay. it came out. And uh, the theater smelled distinctly of poop. Okay. The entire time... And I don't know if it was the person sitting in front of me, if it was anybody I came with, if it was my seat. All I know is now that I cannot watch the Cat in the Hat movie without my nostrils immediately filling with the scent of diapers. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. So I think there's been some transitive properties here. Uh, and it's just sort of like ruined a, a live action Mike Myers for me. And I really don't want that because I've you know, Wayne's World's a thing. Yeah, I kind of forgot that he has a good live-action movies. He you know? does have a few. Yeah. Like he, Mike Myers isn't... This is the thing. Mike Myers could be good, but he uh, clearly, uh, clears, cl- clearly likes to be a bit of a, uh, an envelope pusher. Okay. And, uh, and by that I mean he likes writing jokes that make fun of Japanese people in yeah. his movies a lot. He likes writing jokes that he takes like five seconds to look at the camera afterwards or um, somebody else says a second time just to make sure that you really remember what was up with it. There is also a sequence which I did not make a note of but I just remembered where um, Austin Powers in order to stand recover has to piss for a really long time which you know is really great. Sorry, I got really confused. Uh, yeah, that that bit again. I think is from that might have been from another. They do pee bits a lot where he pees a lot in the okay. first movie when he gets out of cryostasis. He, he pees for like an hour. He has an enlarged prostate. Or is that what happens when you have an enlarged prostate? I don't know. I don't know. I know you. I know. Um, there are vitamin supplements you take for your prostate, and they can make you like pee a lot. So maybe he's he's just really hitting the supplements hard. What were you, sorry? What were you going to say? I don't. Remember. 
something like oh that. yeah i so i was looking at the credits for this because i wanted to get the name of the director right jay roach i wanted to make sure everybody knows jay roach directed this director of trumbo the cry the criminal responsible I didn't say that. No. <laughs> uh, and I thought George Clinton did the music, uh-huh. but it's George S. Clinton, which okay. is a different George Clinton than I thought. Do you know George, you know who George Clinton is, right? He's Vaguely, a, he's a very famous like jazz musician, uh, soul, soul musician, as okay. far as I remember correctly. Uh, let me fact check. Yeah, yeah, he was in Parliament. Okay, yeah, like. Huh. So like he is like the father of funk music. So I got really worried. That, like, more people were associated with this, but, uh, you know, thankfully he's, he's, his hands are clean. Yeah. So, uh, we've talked about Austin Powers' gold member for close to an hour, and I feel like we've kind of, um, covered as much ground as we can for our first watch of this film. Our final watch of this film? Our first and final watch of this film. Not our final, uh, foray into the Austin Powers franchise, I hope, though. I don't know, man. You, okay, we'll talk about this off air. You can't, you can't set me up with Goldmember and then not expect me to want to go back and see the prequels. You know, you got free time. <laughs> Damn, it doesn't. I don't have to do it for the show. <laughs> I guess not. Um, Listen, this film is sort of like reverse alchemy for me. Okay. Because it took something funny, the gold. He loves gold. He loves gold. It took that gold and it turned it to shit. Yeah. Because I love to yell, I love gold. I, I, I feel like I can't anymore. I think that's maybe as good of a summary as of this movie as we could possibly get. So, uh, Andy, thank you for going on this journey with me. Uh, Ryan... Uh, I'm honored that I I made you rent and watch this film. I did pay three American dollars to rent Goldmember for this podcast. One dollar for each Austin Powers film and one dollar for each genuine laugh you got out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll, uh, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled podcast next time. Yeah. See you then. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,